0: Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, it is Thanksgiving week, and as we go into this Thanksgiving week, some of you already gathered, maybe with family and friends, to celebrate, you know, this great time of the year. Some of you gather on Thursday, and I just want to get your brains, the wheels going just a little bit here, and see if you can finish this sentence. And the sentence is this here. For me, it is not Thanksgiving without, and then fill in the blank. But don't say anything yet. I'll give you an example. You know, as you think about this, because I'm going to have you turn around and, and, and share this with each other. For me, it is not Thanksgiving without, well, let me give you some background information first. You know, a number of you know, I I feel like I've had too much coffee this morning, just one cup, I promise. You know, I grew up in Phoenix, but you know, I had family that lived close by in the Phoenix metro area, had a set of aunt and, and uncle and cousins that lived in Tempe, and aunt, uncle and cousins that lived in Mesa, Arizona, and grandmother lived in Mesa, Arizona. So we all would get together for things like Thanksgiving, like some of you would do here. And we'd get together, and we'd spend the entire day. Most often, we were going to Mesa to do it there. We'd have turkey and ham and all kinds of great stuff. But, you know, one of the things that for me to have Thanksgiving, to really be Thanksgiving, I've got to have cranberry orange relish. I love cranberry orange relish. Really easy to make. Learned to make it from my mom. You know, a bag of cranberries. Orange and throw some sugar in there, throw it all in the blender, and it's just got this great sweet tart flavor. Oh, it's just, oh, mm, good stuff. Especially, you know, when it's the next day, you know, Friday, and you have leftover turkey sandwich, some cream cheese, a little bit of that cranberry orange relish there, and a thick piece of bread. Oh, I'm hungry now. <laughs> So as you think about that for just a moment, I want you turn around to the folks next to you and just finish this statement. For me, it is not Thanksgiving without... Go ahead, turn around and, and, and talk to each other. So I'll give you an opportunity to kind of shout out if you want. You know, for me, it's not Thanksgiving without... What would you say? Family. What else? Sour cream raisin pie. Sour cream, raisin, pie. Ooh, that sounds good. Pie, pie... Pumpkin pie, how many have pumpkin pie? Apple pie, pecan pie, doesn't matter, it's pie. You know, I spent one of my, the years I was away in college, I got to spend with a family that was from down south, and a bunch of kids it was great. I, was, I felt like the, 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 the uncle, they hadn't visited in a long time, and kids were all bouncing around, and we were playing games and reading books. And, but I had some unique dishes on Thanksgiving. They had collard greens, never had that before, that was really good. But I had better, they told me, than pumpkin pie. I had sweet potato pie. That was really good. What else, you know, makes Thanksgiving Thanksgiving? Turkey. Yeah, I was like, no one said turkey. Yeah, come on. Turkey, whether you smoke it, I like to smoke it, whether it's roasted or fried. Turkey. Football. You know, gather together and watching the game, letting the food kind of just digest. You take a nap. What else makes Thanksgiving Thanksgiving? Black Friday is right. You're going to go shopping. You know, getting excited, looking at the ads. You know, maybe someone else, rather than cranberry orange relish, you like that can of cranberry stuff. You go, you know, and just kind of jelly stuff just sits there. Kind of wonder, how do they make that kind of stuff? You know, or maybe it's the green bean casserole, or it's rolls, or cornbread, or it's stuffing, it's corn, and all the great stuff that just makes that great feast of Thanksgiving. But you know, as we think about all this, and you've been sharing with one another, I think there's one thing we missed, one very important thing that we missed that you can't have Thanksgiving without what? Now yeah, you got it. Thank you. You can't have Thanksgiving without thanks because it's in the word itself. Thanksgiving. We can't have Thanksgiving without giving thanks. But you know, as you think about that, you know, if, if we're honest, another question for you here How often do you complain? every day. Some of you are laughing. I mean, I'm glad I'm not alone. I complain a lot. And I whine and I moan and I grumble about things, you know, small things, big things. More often, how do we much do we complain about small things that are really, you know, not life-shattering things? And we complain and we whine about them. You know, I often complain as I'm driving down the road, you drive too slow. Get You know, I complain about those things. Complain about the weather when it's too hot and when it's too cold. You know, we complain and we whine and we grumble about things. Sadly, you know, a lot of you, if you're honest, all of you are probably just like me. We just tend to complain. It seems to come natural for us to do. And we find often in Scripture there are those people who complain, God's people. He brought them out of slavery. And what do they do? They're whining and they're complaining and they're grumbling and they're moaning. But how often then, how often do you say thank you? How often do you say thank you to God? And, but how often do we say thank you to one another? I think a lot of times we take for granted, you know, what God has given to us, what God gives to us each and every day. Even as we, you know, pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread as a way of saying, God, thank you. We can ramble through those words but not really dwell on what it is we're thankful for. But even thanking one another. I mean, as some of us, you know, we, we live in a household. There's other people there, and, you know, they, they, they pick up our dirty laundry. You know, thanks, Mom and Dad. Or they make us that cup of coffee in the morning, you know, day after day. You know, or those small things that someone, you know, opens the door for you as you're heading into a store. Those small thank yous. But it's so much easier to whine and complain, grumble. It just seems, wow. But you know, as, as you think about that, it reminded of some words by a Christian author and, and thinker, Francis Schaeffer, and he writes this. The beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart. Just dwell on those words for just a moment. So now kind of picture in your mind the Garden of Eden. God has created this beautiful place for humanity to live he's rated both man and and woman saying you know they there is this companionship this this partnership in life that they have together they have so much that god has offered them and so much that he's blessed them with yet they are lured into believing that god is holding out and so they eat you know the forbidden fruit That lack of a thankful heart, that gratitude, and sin enters all of creation. Well, this day, as we lead into Thanksgiving, we're going to talk through Psalm 100. So in a few moments here, we're going to read that together again. I know Troy read it to us a little earlier. Fairly short psalm, but a great psalm. And in this psalm are really a number of different Hebrew words for how we give thanks. The thank you is not just saying thank you but it's an action word. It, it, it's a part of our entire being in giving thanks to God. So together, let's read these words of Psalm 100. Shout happily to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord cheerfully. Come into His presence with a joyful song. Realize that the Lord alone is God. He made us, and we are His. We are His people, and the sheep in His care. Enter his gates with songs of thanksgiving. Come into his courtyards with a song of praise. Give thanks to him. Praise his name. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. His faithfulness endures throughout every generation. So as we read through the psalm, there's really three things I think that stand out that, that we are called to do, really called to be as followers of God. Because God wants more than just fans. If God wanted fans, He'd build Himself like a stadium, and eighty or ninety thousand people would show up on Saturdays to cheer on God, right? But but God wants more than fans. He wants followers. He wants people that that are going to allow them in faith to shape and mold their lives. So God, in this Psalm, is calling us really to three different actions and attitudes. That's worship, serve, and thank. Worship, serve, thank. Say that with me: worship serve, thank. We are called to worship God, to serve God, and to thank God. Now, in, in the context of, of worship here, you know, this, this worship is a joyful worship. This is a worship with, with energy, a worship with, you know, filled with praise, that, that we come before God's presence singing. And this, this psalm, you know, we believe it was, it was a formal call to worship for the pilgrims. Not the pilgrims, you know, hat you know, on Thanksgiving Day, turkey with little muskets. But the pilgrims, they were making their way, the Israelite pilgrims, religious pilgrims, making their way to Jerusalem, to the temple. This call for joyful worship as you would enter God's presence. There you'd shout out. Now, behind this language, too, within the culture of that time, with this idea of how you would shout out when you were in the presence of the king, or the king would come into your presence. That you, you would shout out. You would shout out and say, this is our king. And in him we are victorious. We are triumphed over our enemies. And so for us, you kind of get the idea here of this triumph. This victory. In fact, we see this a number of times in Scripture. One of those times that we see this in Scripture is when there was the Philistines and the Israelites. You know, they battled a number of different times. And in 1 Samuel, you had the Philistines on one side of the valley and the Israelites on the other side of the valley. You know, war is threatening. And God's people asked that the priest would go and grab the Ark of the Covenant. You know, the Ark of the Covenant, maybe a lot of us think Ark of the Covenant more like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of thing. But the Ark of the Covenant was God's presence. And the people believed is that Ark was there with them, that God was with them. So they go to get the Ark of the Covenant, and as they bring in the camp, this is what we hear. And let's read this together from 1 Samuel 4, 5. When the Lord's Ark came into the camp... All Israel shouted so loudly that the earth rang with echoes. So now get in your mind what it's like, you know, when we as Lutherans, and a lot of us have German heritage, so these kind of German heritage, but seriously and Lutherans tend to do what when we shout out? It's kind of just silence, or if we do, we like, praise God.
1: There's not a lot of energy.
0: Now, this is is energy. This is more like, imagine it's Saturday next week, you know, Huskers against Iowa, and there's a touchdown. And I learned early on when I moved to Nebraska that little kids are taught very early to throw their arms up in the air and say, touchdown! And, you know, that's the kind of excitement that we have. This is the kind of excitement that is going on. Imagine, you know, 80,000, 90,000 people in that stadium shouting out touchdown that it kind of echoes throughout the downtown area of Lincoln. And that's kind of what we have here. God's people, the Israelites, all gathered together, shouting out that this is our God, and in our God, we are victorious. We are champions in our God. In fact, it rings throughout the entire valley. You know, other translations say that the earth just shook with that shout. You know, the Philistines are like, what is going on over there? And they're a little bit worried. These people are really riled up. There's something making them think that you know, there's even a God in their presence and they're scared about what they're going to face if they go against the Israelites. Another time we see something similar to this is this one day where there's this guy riding on a donkey and he comes into Jerusalem and these people start shouting out, Hosanna in the highest. You know, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That would be Jesus, by the way. We call it Palm Sunday talk here. And they shout out to the king in whom we are victorious, the king who is our champion. So as we sing, we shout, you know, for the remainder of our worship service, you gotta do this with some energy. You gotta do this, you know, forget the Huskers, you know, forget your favorite team. This is this is God, and we're gonna sing, we're gonna shout, we're gonna praise our God because in our God we are victorious, especially in Jesus. You know, and and we do this kind of shouting out as, as Lutherans, usually once a year. Once a year, we'll get a little more energy in our voice. This is a little out of season, but I think you'll catch on really quick here. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So, you know, we do that with energy and excitement. And we shout out because in that phrase, we say we are victorious in our Savior Jesus Christ. We are victorious over sin, over death, over the devil. Our King is a victorious King. Now remember, we said there are three actions and attitudes that this psalm calls us to. We are to worship, we are to serve, and thanks. So we talk about serving God. You know, we we talk about, you know, glad singing, this singing with it's just our entire life and energy poured into it. The same is true for our serving, glad serving. That we serve one another with gladness. That God, again, wants more than just fans, woo God! God wants us to follow him. And Jesus says, you know, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus says, follow me, and, and that's an invitation of faith that the Holy Spirit will shape our attitudes and our actions. But again, if you're like me, there's a lot of moaning and groaning going on in life, right, each and every day. Again, and we see this in Scripture so often, moaning and groaning. You know, moaning and groaning happens to this one guy who God had called him to do this one action and go to this one place. And you know what he did? He got on a cruise ship and said, by God, I'm going the other way. We call him Jonah. If you know the story of Jonah in Scripture, God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, Nineveh, I hate those people. They're mean. They're nasty. They're disgusting. God says, I want you to go and call them to repent. So that I can forgive them, they can know that I love them. And Jonah's like, I don't love them. I hate them. They're nasty. They're mean. They're despicable. And he again hops on the boat, goes the opposite direction. Of course, storm comes up, and Joshua's thrown overboard. Big old fish swallows him up. Lives in the belly of the fish for three days, and then unwillingly, but yet by God's will, he is brought to the shore of you know where the city of Nineveh is at, and he is spat up. More literally, he is, all of them ended up like he had too much turkey, you know, on the shore. Of, I just kind of wonder what else was with him when he got spat up, because it was a whole stomach, and that's too much to think about. But there, he was brought up there, and um, he goes to Nineveh, And again, he goes to Nineveh, kind of like, repent, repent, God wants to forgive you, repent, repent, God wants to forgive you. Climbs up on a hill, sits there, God provides a little shade for him, because it's hot. And he's like waiting for God just to destroy them. God forgives them and then sends a little worm that destroys the plant that was giving him shade and he whines and complains and he moans and he groans. And Boy, how many times are we like Jonah when God calls us to serve, not only serve him, but to serve our neighbor? You know, it it reminds me of a conversation that Jesus had with this young man who kind of wanted to justify how he'd been living his life. And he said, you know, so how would you summarize the law Jesus, Jesus summarizes, and you probably know these words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he says, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus goes on to tell him the parable, the story, of the good Samaritan. Of, you know, the unlikely hero who loves one that would have been considered his enemy and that that one that was beat up and bloodied would have considered the Samaritan his enemy, and unclean, yet he is the one that shows love. So when God calls us to serve, it's not only serving our God, but serving our God is to serve one another, but serving our God is to serve others, not just our neighbor down the street, but our neighbors all around the world, each and every person whom God loves. And if God can love the Ninevites, that God loves you and me. God loves the world. We worship. We worship joyfully. We worship gladly. We serve. We serve gladly. We serve lovingly and we thank. We give God thanks. We tell God thank you with our attitude and our actions. You know why do we thank God? We we thank God. It's there in the psalm. We thank God because he is good. That's God's character. God is good. God is good whether we're having a good day or a bad day, a great year, or a really good year or a really, really bad year. God is good all the time. God is good and God is merciful. God doesn't give us what we deserve. God is merciful always, always ready to forgive. Again, we see that in the, in the story of Jonah and the Ninevites. That God is ready and willing and wanting To forgive us. And he is faithful. He is faithful even when we are not. If you're like me, you know, a little while, we'll have some time to confess our sins. And I start counting how many times I've been unfaithful to my God. And he is faithful. He's faithful to his promise in sending his son, Jesus Christ. He's faithful to the promise that he gives us in Jesus that all of our sins are forgiven. You know, we hear these words of Paul in Ephesians 5, 20 about this call for us to give thanks. and Let's read these words together. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. Giving thanks because, you know, to make this a regular practice for our lives to give thanks. That for us then as followers of Jesus, that our default is thankfulness, not criticism. That even when things are difficult and struggling, you know, we see something good in what God provides for us this day, that we find, even though it may be difficult sometimes, we find things for which we can be thankful for. And, and, you know, if we, and if we do this, if we work on this, you know, it begins to rewire our brains and our spirit. We begin seeing more opportunities to give God thanks. So as we think about this, we kind of walk through this psalm again. You know, we talk about these, these three actions and attitudes. It's, see, contest your knowledge. It's worship, say this with me, serve and thank. We'll do it one more time. Ready? Worship, serve, and thank. So as you think about that, here's a question as we kind of go into this Thanksgiving week, as we wrap up this year, as we go into the new year of 2020, how will you thank God with heart, hand, and voice? How will you thank God as you worship, as you serve him and others, as you thank him, even when things aren't as good? You know, it's easy to think about this Thanksgiving Day approaches. And there's a Thanksgiving feast, like we're all going to have, and our Thanksgiving feast will all be a little bit different. There's some pretty common things. Most of us will probably have turkey, and stuffing, and potatoes, and some pie, and family and friends gathered around, and we have cranberry orange relish. Got to have that. You never try that. You should try that. It's really good. So you have this great feast and celebration. You know, we're thanking God. But let me kind of step you into a situation 1636, about 400 years ago. 1636, there's famine, there is disease, and there's war. It's a time of the Thirty-Year War, if you're a history buff. The Thirty-Year War was a violent war in Europe between the Catholic Christians and the Protestant Christians. And it all kind of really centered in Germany. So during the darkness of this Thirty-Year War, there was this German pastor, Martin Rinkhart. And Pastor Martin, you know, lived in and ministered in this German town of Eilenburg. And now this became a refugee city because it had walls. And, you know, again, this was a violent time. There was famine and disease and everything like that. So people began pouring in and squeezing into the city. And if you know anything about, like, refugee camps, kind of picture the similar situation in this city. And so there's scarcity. You know, people are eating scraps of food. There's, you know, lack of sanitation, and there's disease. This is the time in history where one of the great times of the Black Death, the plague, is that people are dying left and right. In fact, you know, Martin from his journal shares that, you know, he had buried over 4,000 people. At one point, you know, he was burying about 40 to 50 people a day, even including those whom he loved his children, his wife who died from starvation and sickness. Yet in the midst of this, you know, he reflected on these words of 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. And let's read these words together. Whatever happens, give thanks, because it is God's will in Christ Jesus that you do this. Whatever happens, whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, give thanks. Now, if you're like me, it is not always easy to get thanks. And there's way too many times where my complaints and my moaning and my groaning and whining far outweigh the times that I've given God thanks for what he has given me. Small things, little things, but also the greatest thing in his son, Jesus Christ. But, you know, as Martin reflected on these words, you know, he he wrote this beautiful poem. Now, remember, this is a guy who was in a city. There's a refuge city. People crammed in there. 30-year war, starvation, sickness, death, 4,000 people, 40 to 50 funerals a day, including his wife and his kids. And he wrote these words and penned them, which later became this hymn. Now, thank we all our God, hearts and hands and voices. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, God calls us to thank Him. To know that no matter our situation, no matter our circumstance, that He is with us, that He loves us, that He is with you, that He loves you. In scarcity and in times of abundance, our God is with us and loves us. And we are called to follow Him, to sing and worship joyfully, to serve Him gladly and to give Him thanks. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening. and Until next time, God bless.